Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I wanted to do a video on a question that, that I get the most in the ministry, which is how to hear, how can you hear the voice of God? So there must be something that's wired in people, especially once they get saved, to know that God's voice is available for you to hear. Because it's not like I spend a lot of time preaching about that. But people have an innate thing in them that they can contact God. And they're not wrong. As many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons and daughters of God. So that's not something reserved for prophets. Uh, That's for everybody that's born again. An old preacher that's in heaven now, his favorite, one of his favorite scriptures was the spirit of man is the candlestick of the Lord. Then the Bible says deep, deep calleth unto deep. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. So think of that when you're born again and you become God's son or God's daughter, you now have access to hear God's voice. But how do you do that? How do you hear God's voice? I want you, if you have your Bible, and I won't be long. This won't be like, in fact, I can guarantee I won't be long because I have an appointment tonight. Hope it doesn't creep you out that I'm, I'm in bed. But I'm comfortable and I didn't feel like moving. And where I'm at, it's 109, so I'm not doing this outside. Hebrews chapter 4. I'll see you soon, Matthew. Good to see you in Canada. If you don't mind sharing this broadcast, you know that last video that I did on Facebook got over 300,000 views. That's the most uh, by far that, that we've ever had. So if you share it, this will help people. All right. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So I want you to see two things that verse tells you about the Bible. The Bible is not a normal book. The Bible was authored through men that were moved on by by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed. So point number one would be the Bible is a supernatural book. That would be the first point. It's not to be read like a textbook. A lot of you have heard of the British evangelist Smith Wigglesworth. He had a great quote. Some like to read their Bible in Hebrew. Some like to read their Bible in Greek. But I prefer to read it in the Holy Ghost. And if you don't mind, I'm going to have you write that down. That's one of those quotes that if you're not a spiritual person, it sounds like like gibberish. But if, if you are a spiritual person, then you understand what that means. Some read their Bible in Hebrew. Some read their Bible in Greek, 
but I like to read it in the whole in the Holy Ghost. So I want you to think about that with me. That the Bible being a spiritual book, and you notice here in Hebrews, it says not only is Scripture God breathed, but it says that it lays bare our innermost. Uh, what does it say specifically? Cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Bible, it's it's not reading into the, the text to say that there is. The Bible is telling you in, in, in that the Bible is a living book. It deals with the inner part of you when you read it. The Bible will correct you. I remember I liked hanging around... Um, tough guys in high school. And I read a verse in my devotions. Don't hang around angry, short-tempered people or you'll become just like them. And when I read that, the Lord like spoke to me. And instantly all this stuff flashed through my mind about how I had spoken with my mother recently, differently, sharper, harsher, how I had been harsher with other people. And the Bible said, don't, don't um, hang around angry, short-tempered people or you'll become just like them. And I could tell, you know, God corrected me with that verse that I was starting to become like those people. So the Bible tells you there in Hebrews 4.12, not only is the Bible living and active, as you read it, it, the Bible exposes you. Remember Jesus said, I've purified you with my word. The Bible cleanses you on its own. You don't have to go... Uh, to the altar and ask for prayer for cleansing the bible will cleanse you the bible's alive it'll cleanse you god will speak to you from his word about you and about your life and i want you to write that that's a major point that's basically the crux of what i'm going to get across to you in these few minutes god will speak to you from his word about your life What's going on? Out of. I dropped my iced coffee. I didn't drive seven minutes out of the way to get that delicious, and they made it to perfection. Where? Front? Where'd you get it? Dunks. One sugar, small, iced. They deliver. They deliver here. Freaking amazing. They deliver here. We have to go in a little bit. No, you got time. We have over an hour. They deliver in twenty minutes. I'm sorry that that I had to stop that for that. No, you just, you looked like, you're, I was just making sure you weren't irritated at me. You dropped it in our room or outside like the room? Right, it's like right in the front of the, 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 the door. Into our room, it was all over the place. Anyway, get, getting back to, to less important matters. Um, sorry that happened for real. Thank you. God will speak to you from his word about your life. And I couple that with, with what Wigglesworth said. Some like to read their Bible in Hebrew. Some like to read their Bible in Greek. I like to read it in the Holy Ghost. Now, none of those things are wrong. It's good, it's good to know the Bible. It's good to study it. I'll say, it wouldn't be a bad thing to say, I like to read my Bible in Hebrew. I like to read my Bible in Greek. I like to read my Bible in the Holy Ghost. Because they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Because you have another Pentecostal scholar named P.C. Nelson. The Bible that he carried was a Hebrew Old Testament, Aramaic Gospels, and Greek New Testament. 
and he could read fluently. So, so that's not wrong. It's not wrong to know what year Jeremiah was written in and uh, who the author of the book of Jeremiah is. It's, not, it's good to know that. But there's a thing that I feel has been lost to a lot of people. And that's that though, and this is going to be the next point, and I don't, I've already lost track of what number I'm on, so you, you can let me know. Though the Bible, though Jeremiah was written to Jeremiah, though Isaiah was written to Isaiah, though Joshua was written to Joshua, those, that book, this book, was written to me. And I want everybody, I won't ask you to do that again, but I want everybody to write this down. God's word was written to me. Please write that. And I want you to never forget it. God's word was written to me. It was written. Deuteronomy 28 was written to the, the Hebrews coming out of Exodus, or coming out of Egypt where God was laying down his, his promises to them. But those promises pertain to me too. I am not reading things God said to other people. God's word was written to me. It is a personal book. And the rules that a lot of people give you for Bible interpretation make this a book that you're reading that's written to other people. You're studying a relationship that God had with others that he didn't have with you. That he doesn't have with you. you don't, and you actually end up, you don't have a relationship with God. You're reading about other people who had a relationship with God. Though I'm reading these stories, remember the premise of everything I'm, I'm talking to you about tonight. Hebrews 4.12. God's word is living and active. God's word is alive. It's not dead. It's not a Shakespearean thing that was written then and frozen in time. This, this Bible is alive. The author of it is alive and speaks and will speak out of this word to you. Because there are general things that are in the Bible. You know, God has a place for me, but the Bible doesn't tell me where that I'm to live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But God will speak to you out of his word about the details of your life. It wouldn't be a bad idea every time you get ready to read the Bible to say, Father, I know you wrote this book. As I read it, you said in Hebrews 4.12 that you'll use it to divide, join and marrow, and lay bare the 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 inner workings of my heart. It'll be a mirror to me. Speak to me about me as I read your word. Show me where you want me to go. Show me what you don't want me to do. Show you want what you want me to start doing. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to hear the voice of God, begin to read God's word spiritually. And I mean with an open spirit. Not, I'm not, when I read Joshua 1, I'm not reading... What, what a distant God said to a historical figure. I'm reading also what God has to say to his children. 
Turn, turn if you would over to Acts chapter 2. If you'll stay on with me a few minutes, I promise you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that will really help you where you won't lack direction. You won't lack guidance because God's word will do that. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stepped forward and said to the crowd, Acts 2.16, No, what you're seeing now was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And that's out of Joel chapter 2. Now, I have a question for you. The way some people return, uh, interpret the Bible, Peter would have been out of line to say that. Because they said, no, Peter, what's happening now was not what Joel was talking about. Joel wrote that many years ago. He was writing to a specific group of people at that time. You can't take those scriptures and use it to apply to what's going on now. But Peter wasn't wrong. Let me ask you a question. And this will kind of get your mind going in, in, the, in the direction uh, that I'm dealing with. Where I want you to see how the Bible's alive and how God will speak to you out of his word. There's an old evangelist that's in heaven now who told the story when he finished preaching in, in uh, it was either Camden, New Jersey or Newark, New Jersey. He Listen to this. He had preached out of Joshua chapter 1. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. He drove by a building that had a for sale sign on it. I believe it was a YWCA building. And he felt in his spirit, he had been feeling to start a church there out of the crusade. And he felt in his spirit that was the building. And that verse that he preached on, I'm going to use like uh, colloquialisms, jumped off the page. That's like, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to use terminology that preachers used, or at least they used to use, like the ones I grew up around. Because I feel like a lot of this stuff is in danger of being lost to newer, a new generation of Christians. They've never heard any kind of teaching on this stuff. They've never heard anybody talk about a verse jumping off the page and the Lord using, using it to guide them. Well, the verse that he preached on fires in his spirit, however you want to call it, comes alive to him. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. And he feels the Lord speak to him. Go walk around that building, just like they did in Jericho. And I'll give you that land. And he did. And without going into the big long story, he got the building miraculously and started a powerful church there. What, now, let me ask you a question. If somebody wanted to take a strict interpretation and say, back when it happened, Brother Shambach, that's ridiculous. Joshua 1 was written to Joshua. 
concerning leading the Hebrew children out of Egyptian bondage to the promised land. And for you to take that verse that God's telling you to put your feet on property that doesn't belong to you and claim it and that he'll give you that land, that's an abuse of scripture. Because I'm going to tell you about any non-full gospel Bible college that you go to, they, they would take that strict interpretation. And most full gospel Bible colleges that you go to would take that strict interpretation. But what happened? See, for me, are they wrong to say that? Well, if the Bible was a dead book that wasn't written to you, then they're not wrong to say it. But because the Bible is living, then people aren't wrong for God to speak to them out, out of his word like that. Well, you say, well, then how do you know whether someone's just abusing Scripture and making it say what they want it to say. I'll tell you how. The fruit of what they're, of what they're saying. I'll give you another, uh, or the fruit of what comes to pass. Now, if Brother Shambach does that, and he's arrested for trespassing, and goes to jail, and ends up out of the ministry, and divorces his wife, and, and ends his life not serving the Lord, then you have every right to question whether God spoke to him or not. But when the building comes into his possession within a handful of days and all the money comes in, supernaturally, then you have to start thinking, maybe the man did hear from the Lord. Let me, let me ask you another question. When T.L. Osborne, the great missionary evangelist, comes back from India as a missionary, a complete failure, never had one person receive Jesus Christ. And then he's praying, and the Lord speaks to him. And listen to this. The Lord speaks to him out of Isaiah 40, 42, 12. That, uh, well, let me look it up. You guys can look it up too. So I get it right. I don't want to like half quote it. So think of this. He's praying in Oregon. And the Lord speaks to him, Isaiah 42, 12. Uh, 42, 11, sorry. Let the people... Do I have the right scripture? Isaiah 42, 12. Let the people of the islands rejoice... And the Lord speaks to him to go to the islands. And he goes to Jamaica. Now, if your Bible college professor said, that's ridiculous. Isaiah 42, 12 is not written talking about how Jamaicans need the gospel. That was spoken to God's, the Jewish people during the time of Isaiah. And for you to take it like that is an abuse of scripture. Well, again, if the Bible was not a living book, then maybe you'd be right to do that strict interpretation. But when someone goes to Jamaica, because the Lord spoke to them out of that verse, again, what's the fruit? You have every student of the government deaf school healed within two nights. And Jamaica, that verse actually had, think about it, that verse actually has another fulfillment where in Jamaica, the people of that island rejoice and praise the Lord because of what God did. I feel like um, a lot of you that are watching this, you're going to be around Christian leaders that teach you that you can't interpret the Bible that way. You know, 
No, that, that's, you can't do it. But I'm telling you, there is an aspect to the Bible that because it's alive and because, you know, I, I would like to hear someone's answer that doesn't think the, that God can speak to you out of his word specifically, then what do you have to say about Hebrews 4.12? God's word is living and active. And then the second half of that verse tells you that it does things to you and it speaks to you. I have another question. Like you take Joshua chapter one, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. And someone says, well, you can't take that as a verse for you to put your feet on land that you want to, that, that you feel to buy. That, that's an abuse of scripture. Let me ask you a question then. Why was that written down for us to read? Why when God saw Joshua writing that down, didn't God say to Joshua, hey, Joshua, what are you doing? You're, don't write that down. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you about taking land that I've promised the Hebrew people so that they can, there can be a nation of Israel and the Messiah can be born. Why was that written down in perpetuity for R.W. Schambach to read in New Jersey and the Lord speak to him out of that? That's my, that's my question. Don't see the Bible as a historical textbook. There's like, a, you know, you'll hear, I've seen a meme on Instagram. That feeling you get when you hear, and again, you could, I'd be interested to see how many of you have seen this. You can put an emoji hand up if you've seen somebody write something joking about when a minister uses Jeremiah 29, 11. And they say that feeling you get when you're, when the pastor preaches out of Jeremiah 29, 11, as if it was written to you, not knowing that it was written to the, the Jews in Babylonian captivity. What's the point of, of, of writing that? You know, what do you want? What do you want a pat on the back? Cause you went to Bible college. Was it written to the Jews in captivity? Yes, it was. But what did God say to them? I know the plan. There's actually five things he said in that verse. I know the plan I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Never to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Are all five of those things recorded 30 or 40 times all throughout the Bible as promises God has to any, any believer? Yes, they are. So is someone wrong? To take that verse that encapsulates those five things and quote it to believers? No, they're not. Is it wrong to tell people God knows the plans that he has for them? No. Is it wrong to tell them that their plans to prosper you and never to harm you? No. Is it wrong to tell people that God has a plan to give you a hope and a glorious future? Is that only reserved for the, that segment of Jewish people in Babylon? So, again... There would be people who would heavily disagree with me, and they're welcome to disagree with me. But I'm going to tell you something that I've noticed. People who read the Bible like it's a dead book written to Babylonian captive, captives post memes, have YouTube channels, and operate blogs. And people that read the Bible like it's a living book go to Jamaica and empty out deaf schools. And that's basically why I gravitated to the one group. Because who, you, who would you rather side with? Like, I'll give you an extreme example. Who's somebody that bloggers and YouTubers would have the hardest time with? 
Joel Osteen. That guy takes Jeremiah 29.11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. That's not written to the people of Houston, Texas. That was written to Babylonian captives. Great. So you post a meme about it so we can all pat you on the back for earning a master's degree from some backslidden seminary. While whatever you want to say about Joel Osteen, there are people by the millions every week who the only encouraging thing they hear, you know, they get major help from that man's ministry. All he does is smile and say encouraging things. Yeah. You'd be amazed how many people, that's the only smile they see all week. And that's the only encouraging thing they hear in, in their whole week. What are you doing? What's your fruit of knowing what year Ezekiel was written? Congratulations. We're all very proud of you. And again, as I said in the beginning, you don't have to pick one or the other. You can know both things. But someone is not abusing Scripture to take a Scripture that God said to His children in the Old Testament that's still applicable now. The only difference would be if you were taking a Scripture out of the Old Testament that goes against the spirit of the rest of the Bible. That's why, that's why you've heard me talk about how people are wrong to take verses out of Job about sickness or prayers not being answered because that violates the new covenant that people are under uh, because of Christ. But Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. So there are things that in the Old Testament that you can now see born out now. And if that wasn't true, then Peter was out of line saying this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Because I want you to think about that. If modern Bible interpreters were alive when Peter said that, they would have rebuked Peter. You can't say this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what? here's how I, I always know what's the right side of the road. When you follow the one side, where does it lead? Well, people that feel like the only way you can interpret the Bible is who was it written to? Who was the original audience? And that's how it has to be read. Do those people believe in healing? No. Because that was Jesus healing those people to prove his Messiahship. See, everything's distant. There is no God's word is living and active and speaking to you and showing you about your life. There is an element to the Bible that though it was written to those people, because it was God-breathed, and it's written to you. The Bible says so in Hebrews 4.12. There is an element of the Bible that shows you about your life. God will speak to you about where to live out of a verse that has nothing to do with you living in Colorado or Canada or South Africa. God will show you where to preach based on a verse that has nothing to do with Jamaica or Florida or South America. God will show you who to marry out of a verse that has nothing to do with you and getting married. Because God is interested in the intimate details of your life and the Bible is a living book. God will speak to you out of his word. Let's see what else I wanted to cover. Young E. Cho, that built the largest church on planet Earth at the time in South Korea. He talked about a concept 
two, two ancient words that both mean word in the Bible. Logos and rhema. And Young Cho, and again, if you disagree with him, just remember he built the largest church on planet Earth. And you run a, a website that has memes. So fruit matters. If you know more than someone, you should do more than that person. The proof of what you know is what you do. Jesus knew a lot. He did a lot. Paul knew a lot. He did a lot. Anybody can criticize. He talked about logos and rhema. What's logos and rhema? Logos is wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. Rhema is when it jumped off the page to Brother Shambach that if you'll put your feet and, and walk around that property, I'll give you that property in New Jersey. I'll tell you the way uh, the Lord did it with me. The first time it ever happened with me was when I got my first invitation to preach after I left for Bible college. Psalm 71, 18. The Lord put that on my heart when I was praying. Now that I'm old and gray, don't set me aside. Let me show your, your, your mighty power, your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to those that have not seen it. And I felt the Lord speak to me. There's a new generation that doesn't know my power and has never seen my miracles. And that's what I want you to do tonight. Is that what David meant when he wrote that? No, he didn't mean that Jonathan's to take God's power to the basement of a church in North Providence, Rhode Island and, and display it for those kids. I'm not even old and gray, and I certainly wasn't old and gray then. But again, Logos is what Psalm 71, 18 said. Rhema is when it comes alive to you. And, and, and I hope, uh, you know, I've done my best. I'm sure other people could do it better. But I really don't want that concept to be lost. So what happened? What happened when that, when that verse jumped off the page and became my verse? What begins in God's word. So I just start quoting scriptures and preaching the Bible about how powerful God is, how he parted the Red Sea, the miracles he did. I mean, I just, I just ran through all Bible miracles. It was my first sermon. I had no personal stories to tell about miracles. I just told about God and how great he is and how powerful he is. One scripture after another. And that woman comes that has stage four ovarian cancer and gets healed. Because I had a direction out of the Bible for that service that night. Most of your Bible college professors will tell you that's an abuse of God's word. But the lady that was given up to die with stage four cancer doesn't feel that way. And kids came, every single teenager after that woman got healed came to the altar and received Jesus Christ without exception. So you know, you know by fruit what's right and what's wrong. So getting back to young Cho, he said the logos word is rice, but the rhema word is cooked rice. The video's cutting out a bit. How about now? I, sh I should have perfect. Uh, it's back. Good. He said, the logos is rice, but the rhema is cooked rice. 
He said, you can't eat regular rice. But then when it's cooked, you can eat it. And he said, the Holy Spirit cooks the word so that you can digest it and consume it for you. And I like that. And he, he told stories about that's how people got messed up. See, you could hear the stories I just told and said, oh, then I'm going to go walk around a building and claim it as mine. But it won't work for you. Because that verse didn't come alive to you like it did to Brother Shambach. You can't do something just because you heard what somebody else got. God's word, you have to let the Holy Spirit cook the rice for you and he'll do it his own way. You can't go to Jamaica and clear out a, a deaf school because you heard the, uh, what God spoke to T.L. Osborne out of the book of Isaiah. Because that word didn't come alive to you. But the Lord will speak to you pertaining to your assignment and what you're to do. And he will speak to you out of his word. There's people that don't believe that. I know full gospel people that they're so strict on their Bible interpretation, they could never receive a word from anybody. Anybody. My friend um, that pastors in Louisville, Kentucky, Pastor Bob Rogers, he has a very unique administration of the gift of prophecy where he'll, he'll quote a scripture and then apply that to the person when he gives the prophecy. For example, he'll pull out a lady that wasn't able to have children and say, Thus saith the Lord, Rejoice, O childless woman. And he'll quote the scripture and then say, the Lord's going to give you a son. Well, I know full gospel preachers that if he said that to their wife, they'd say, well, the Bible doesn't actually mean that there. You know, he's taking a verse that was written to um, ancient Israel and trying to make it like my wife's going to have a, a child because it says that in that verse. And they miss everything that has to do with the Holy Ghost. It's not God the Father, God the Son in the Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, who is the Word, made flesh, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost works in tandem with the Bible to give you revelation, not so you can understand another culture from 4,000 years ago, though, though it might pertain to that. God's not interested in that as much as He's interested in you and your assignment. And when I hear people mockingly scold people for reading the Bible that way, I don't like it because it's not wrong, according to Hebrews 4.12, to read the Bible and allow God to speak to you out of the word concerning your life. There's always going to be weirdos and there's always going to be idiots that say that God spoke to them and he never did. And they're going to say and do dumb stuff. Did you know that uh, Young Cho said when he first brought the gospel to South Korea, People read in the Bible how Jesus walked on the water, and so they walked on the water, and they all died. And it, it, was a, it brought shame to the church and to the gospel at the time, because you, there's always idiots. You can't stop that. And sometimes people have known so many idiots that they make up their mind, well, you know what, I'm not going to be like that. I'm just going to stick to the basic Bible, but I'm going to tell you. If you make a decision to cut the Holy Spirit out because you've known weirdos, why do you have to be in one ditch or the other? Why do you have to choose between being somebody that's in the one wrong ditch that doesn't in any way correlate the Holy Spirit speaking to them out of the Bible or the other ditch? 
or you never pay any attention to the proper interpretation of Scripture. Psalm 112 means that if you'll sow $112 seed, the Lord will give you all the blessings of Psalm 112. That stuff. Both are ditches. But why do you have to be in a ditch? Why not make a decision to be in the middle of the road and properly, rightly divide the word, but make room for the Holy Spirit to speak out of the word? And that's what I want to challenge you to do as a Christian. You don't have to be a fruit and you don't have to be a dry fossil. You can be a person who can rightly handle the Bible and hear the voice of the Lord. And God will speak to you pertaining the things that apply to your life. I'm going to be in Oklahoma City in two weekends. And I'm going to be in Hobbs, New Mexico in three week weekends. I would love to see you in person. Hobbs, New Mexico, Oklahoma City, and then Florida in the month of August. So all my schedule is on uh, revivaltoday.com. Make a plan to be with me. We're going to have great meetings this summer, and I want you to be a part of them. And then I'm going to pray for you, and I'll leave you alone. And I want you to uh, share this with as many people as you can, because I believe it'll help. Father, I thank you for every, every viewer, every listener. From today, as they take time in your word, I pray they would learn to hear your voice saying, this is the way, walk ye therein. And they would never miss your will by one step. In Jesus' name. Thank you that because we're born again, your word says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. We thank you for the privilege of being your sons and daughters, and that because of sonship, we now can hear your voice, know which way to go, know where to go, what to say, and what to do, and receive your power to do those things. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today helped you, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Obviously, you're already following me on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, at J.D. Shuttlesworth. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, follow, hit the notification. I'm going to do more of these. I love you very much. I hope you know that. And I'm honored that you follow me. And I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.